Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Hey, how about one time give it up for the band and the singers and worship leaders and man, what an amazing day. Let's welcome, while we're applauding, let's welcome our online uh, folks right now. Let's say thanks for them, to them for being here. It's been a good, a good day so far. It's been an amazing morning. Um, we're in a series called The Fam, and I'm going uh, to apologize in advance. I have one of those summer colds, and so it's kind of doing this number right here. So if I start doing whatever, coughing, just let me, just let me do what I'm going to do. And uh, if I start to pass out or something, somebody just come up and drag me off and have Justin come and sing another song or something. I don't know what to, I don't know what to We don't have a plan for that, so it's exciting. Man, we're in this series called The Fam. And uh, last week we talked about what The Fam is, and we looked at our phones, and we looked at those, you know, those bubbles and all those people, you know, mom and dad and sister and brother and all that. And that's the people that we're talking about. But we're also talking about uh, people that maybe aren't part of our blood. I mean, and, and honestly, we all know this. Sometimes it's the people that aren't blood that are closest than, closer than people that are our blood, and we call them family too. And so we've been talking about how the dynamics look. And this week, and I just want to kind of lay out the groundwork. Today is not going to be one of those, like, I'm going to shout and scream and go all over the place. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be quite honest with you, Today, for a lot of people in this room watching online, maybe down at Sherwood, it may sting a little bit. And we're going to talk about when, when the, the family's not so picture perfect, when it's not great and struggles come and problems come. But I'll make you a guarantee today, if you'll hang with me for the 25 or 30 minutes, when we get to the end of it, there's going to be hope for everybody in this room. And that hope is only found, and we've been singing about it all morning, the hope is found in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that, okay? And so it, it came about, um, and, and I was watching um, a show this past week, and man, what a tragedy has happened, and, and you probably, some of you have lived there, some of you know people in Maui. Like, that's just crazy to me. It's hard to even imagine what they're going through, the way the fire swept, and I don't know what the death toll is. It's, 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 it's too many. That's the bottom line. But it made me think about, you know, like, why? Why that group of people? Why, why did it happen there? Why didn't the wind shift another direction and it happened to somebody else? And it took me back to a, a time six or seven years ago that I was, in, I was in Texas. I was on one of my turkey hunts that I go on every year. And we were in a little call, a town called Santa Ana. Um, before we, we went, they told us they were canceling all the flights because there was tornadoes all in the area. As a matter of fact, if you remember, I go uh, Master's Week every year. And that's the year they actually uh, closed the course for three days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it was closed because of the strong storms and tornadoes. But because we're men, we figured, we figured we can get an airplane and somehow or another we can bypass the tornadoes or we would just plow right through them because we're studs, right? So we get on the plane and we get out there and the plane was doing that, that weird thing. Do you ever be in, some of the, we have pilots and people that are assistant, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when the plane goes up and then comes back down and you hit your head on the top and, and you realize that everything's moving on the plane and I was on a wing seat and I looked at the wing and it looked like a bird's wing flapping. And it was doing right, I'm like, this was not, and I'm praying to Jesus and I'm rosary and I'm doing all the things, I don't know what else to do, right? So we land and we're like, man, this is fantastic, we got here. And the guy, the guy said this, hey, by the way, there's, they're calling for tornadoes out here. I'm like, well, great, we can just like, when the, when the turkey is in the tornado, we'll just shoot it in a tornado, right? It'll be easy, right? So. We get there on, a, let's say, a Monday, and that Monday night, we're going to the, um, the, the, one of the finest only restaurants in Santa Ana. It's, um, it's Dairy Queen. I know, stretch calling it a restaurant. 
but that's the only place to eat in this little town called Santa Ana. So we're, we go there and all of a sudden we're noticing there's all these lights. It's like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. There's all these headlights coming from this other town, Abilene, uh, and they're coming from Abilene. And I'm talking about a string, probably 50, 60, 70. And somebody stopped in there and they're like, what's going on? He said, there's a literally a tornado that's coming up the road, the main road, I think it's 14, coming up the main road and it's coming right toward the Dairy Queen. So the manager of the Dairy Queen locks the, locks the doors, locks us in... Not a bad gig. Like, let me just tell you the positives. This we're in Dairy Queen, and I don't know if you've had a like. There's this thing called a blizzard they have. Not bad. Not a meal, but pretty spectacular, right? So we started out with Heath Bar and then a, and a Butterfinger, and then I went to an Oreo, and then they made us Hamburg. But we're locked into this place, and I remember. And you've heard the stories. Like people have said, like hail the size of golf balls. I'm not exaggerating. It was hail the size of tennis balls. And when we took the rental car back, we were embarrassed pulling it up and just walking away because it looked like somebody took a ball peen hammer and just hammered the whole thing. Like, what happened? Oh, oh. But that wasn't the part that reached deep down inside of me. It was the next morning when I got up. And when the next morning we're walking through the town of Santa Ana, we're getting ready to go turkey hunting. We can't even get to the turkey spots that we have to get to because the water's risen so much and the bridge have blown out and there's trees all over the place. There was devastation everywhere. And, and, and that's when it hit me. There again. Why that town? Why not the town up from that? Why, why, why not two towns up from that? Why, why did this storm, why did it happen right there? And then here was the, how about in our lives when storms come, when it happens? Why us? You know, we hear the word at the doctor's office, cancer. Why not somebody else? Why did that happen to me? Or, or, or maybe the spouse comes home and says, listen, let's face facts. I've been having an affair for six years. Why us? Why not somebody else? Or, or maybe your teenage daughter comes home and, and says, mom, dad, I'm, I'm pregnant. Or, 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 or maybe it's a situation where you get a phone call in the middle of the night because one of your children is locked up in jail. Or maybe it's worse than that. The police knock on the front door and say, your, your child was in an accident. Why? Why there? Why, why does it hit one person and not another person? And you can put whatever you want to put in it. You can just draw a line and you can put a miscarriage. You can put a divorce. You can put a cancer. You can put whatever. It's going to happen. Not when it happens, it's going to happen. At some point, every one of us is going to have to deal with an it. And how are we going to deal with it? What's it going to look like in our lives when that, that moment happens? Last week, I walked off the stage and I was talking to a friend of mine. And she said that she said, she said, literally, it's amazing how one day you could be just minding your own business, going in one direction, and the next day, it's a totally different situation. Last week, I talked about in the Bible, there's all kinds of jacked up families. And we looked at straight down the line. We went from Abraham to Noah to, you know, to Jacob and Esau to Cain and Abel to, we went to Jesus's family. But you know what else I realized this week as I was just kind of flipping the pages of God's word, there's lots of people that also went through it. There's all kinds of tragedies. And we think about David is one of the ones I think about all the time. He had an it, lost a child, was a murderer, had a son chasing him down. Why him? And it's interesting to me that he writes one of the greatest narratives about how to take problems in our lives, how to take those moments in our lives to turn the opposition or the problem into an opportunity. 
And today, I'm going to start with where I started last week, but I want to read the whole uh, few verses. It's found in Psalms chapter 46, verse 1, and this is David's narrative about when troubles are going on in our lives, when it happens, how we can handle it. It says in verse 1, and this is where we read last week, God is our refuge and he's our strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble in the sea. When it happens, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble and the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice is thunder and the earth's melt. The Lord's heaven is, uh, the Lord is, uh, the Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow or the bow and the snap and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Verse 10, a landing point today. Be still and know that I am God. Let me say that again. Be still and know when it comes that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is for you. Something I want to do today, and I'm going to give you what we're going to talk about first, and then I'm going to go back and backfill. But today I'd like to kind of investigate three areas. Uh, The first area would be this. Why has this happened? And why has this happened to me at this particular time? Why, why did this storm go down this road? Why did it come across that intersection? Why did it hit us head on? The second point and thing I want to look at is what can we do about it? Is there any, is there any defense mechanism? Is there anything we can do to maybe prevent? Or is there anything that we can do to maybe while we're in this, understand why God's allowing this to happen? And the third point is this, how can we benefit from the whole process? Because I believe there's always, always something good that can come out of it. Now, here's the thing I'm going to say first. It's always a matter of perspective. Everything in life is a matter of perspective. Numbers chapter 13, there's this great story about how how Moses are outside of Egypt and they're sitting on the other side of the Red Sea. They've already seen God's mighty hand work and they're getting ready and they're investigating the promised land. And Moses sends 12 spies into the promised land. Some of you remember this story. And, And they get in there and they come back, all 12 come back. 10 of the spies or all 12 of the spies go like this. They go, it's so plentiful in there. It's so, it's it's amazing. It's lush. There's all this growth there. And even to the point where they came back and they had one bunch of grapes and it took two people on, on a stick to carry these grapes. It is amazing there. But, but, it's one of the most dangerous words in the English language right there, but. And I'm not talking about I got big butt. But he said this, he said, but they're, they're mean looking. They're scary. They look like giants and we look like ants. As I was reading that story, it's a matter of perspective. And by the way, who told them that they were small? Who, who told them that they were that much bigger than them? I love verse 30 in the chapter. Caleb comes back. Joshua and Caleb are like, We got this. Send us. We don't care about the 10 of them. What was the perspective change? What was the difference between the 10 spies that saw these giants and the two that saw an army that could be conquered? And in our lives, sometimes I think it's just a matter of perspective. What's our perspective when it comes? 
Can we be prepared for it? Is there something we can do? And I believe the answer to all of that is yes. And I want to do this in the framework of a family. And these are literally things. Because I'm going to tell you, just because we're, we're pastors, just because we're on stage or we're on a staff, doesn't mean we're not prone to problems. It still happens in our lives. There's still cancers. There's still miscarriages. There's still divorce. There's still struggles. And these are tools that I've used. And the very first thing, whenever something comes my way, I see it on the horizon. This is the question I ask. Why did it happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen in this particular moment right here, right now? Why did this family crisis come? Why did this problem happen? Now, can I tell you, I'm going to give you a couple different reasons it happens. Some of them are not going to thrill us. The very first one is this. Some problems are self-inflicted. You hear me on that? In other words, they're caused by our own sins and our own mistakes. I, I, I used to share this story all the time. Uh, several years ago, uh, probably 2008, 2009, I had a guy walk up to me and he said, Pastor Bobby, um, he, I got some bad news. I said, what's the bad news, bro? And he goes, I got cancer. And I kind of I did the, oh, I'm sorry, but not like super surprised that he did. Because he had just told me weeks before that when he was getting his checkup that he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day for 30, day, or 30 years. And, and I remember saying to him, like, because he would shake his fist at God and he would give God the finger and he was mad at God for giving him cancer. I'm like, God didn't give you cancer. You gave yourself cancer. This is, your, this is self-inflicted. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had over the last 30 years where somebody's walked up to me and said, you know something, I've, I've traded my kids for occupation. I work 40, 60, 80 hours a week, and that's the most important thing. And I kept telling them that one day I'll be able to retire and then we'll be able to hang out. I always ask the question, was it worth it? And remind of a story in the book of Mark, I think it's chapter six, in the story of a, a man that's working vigorously, same thing, same way that a lot of us do trying to get an extra dollar in the bank account, trying to get another name or another initial behind or in front of our name. And it says this, what is a profit of man if he inherits the whole world, but he loses his own soul? And I'll throw it another way. What is, what's a profit of man if he inherits the whole world, but he loses his family? What's a profit of woman if he inherits, she inherits the whole world? She's, she's got all these, all these people around her high-fiving her because she's so great, but she loses her entire family. What, what's a profit? Some of the things that happen in our lives are self-inflicted. We've done them to ourselves. We want to blame everybody else, but we've got to take the responsibility for ourselves. The second one is simply this. Sometimes things happen because of bad choices. Like just not maybe yours, but bad choices by somebody else. And you're a byproduct of that bad choice. I had a good friend of mine um, several years ago. He came into my office and he sat down and he said, Bobby, I'm not doing well. He said, I've been having an affair and it's been going on for a long time. And if you've been around Journey long enough, you know that I do not have a filter at all, especially with stupid people. So if I, if I go off on you, you may fall into that category. But he walks in and I, did, I don't know why I did it. I grabbed his phone. He, the phone was on my, my, my table and I grabbed the phone and I started going through his pictures. And I remember finding a picture of his entire family. I remember sticking his nose and I said, you're willing to give up everything for that right there. You're really, all this right here, everything that's in this picture, you're willing, you're willing to give it up. For somebody, by the way, that's having an affair on her spouse also and is probably gonna have another affair somewhere down the road. You're really willing to, to lose all of this for that right there. Six months later, he came in my office. He didn't break it off. He ended up going through a divorce. And all I could say to him was, was it worth it? 
You've lost everything, my friend, because of a stupid choice that you made. Now, here's the question. Who, who gets hurt the most in that? Him? No. I never felt sorry for him. I felt sorry for his wife. I felt sorry for his kids. I felt sorry for their friends. You know, another dynamic that lots of people don't think about is now they got to choose different churches. Now, here's one good thing. We have a one, three services. You can go to any one. So if you don't like the people to go to the first service, you can go to second service. Maybe the person that's the adulteress goes to the first service and you go to the third service. I don't know how it works. But can, can I give you an honest thing? We have lots of people that have had that situation happen and you know why they stay here and they do that? Because their kids get to stay with their friends and hang out with the people that they've grown up with. Stupid choices that hurt other people. It happens all the time. But there's hope. John chapter 16, 33. I told you I was going to give you hope. I've told you all of this so that you may have peace because I'm telling you all this happens because of a fallen world. This all happens because of Adam and Eve. We talked about this months ago. All the it's that happen in your life, all the, all the things that happen naturally are because of the fall of mankind. And Jesus says this, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because thank you, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Let me give you a third thing, and this is going to sound like I'm, some things just happen because of Satan. Y'all y- 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 remember the SNL, I think it was Dana Carvey, SNL skit. Who, 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 what? Satan? But you know something? Sometimes it's just Satan. I mean, we read John 10.10, 10 and we love the part that says, I came to give you life, and I came to give you life to the fullest. But there's a whole other part of that scripture that we don't want to read. And this is how it goes. It says, yes, I am the gate. He's referring to uh, the 23rd Psalm. Those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Uh, Psalms 23, 1. And then it says in verse 10, the thief's purpose is to read this with me, to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he's trying to do in our families. He's trying to steal and kill and destroy. And he's the master of that. He loves doing, that's his sole purpose on this earth. So lots of times the things happen. Maybe it wasn't a sin of a person. Maybe it wasn't a sin of you. Maybe it's just Satan trying to destroy our families. And then I love Jesus says, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for a sheep. We saw that at the cross. There's no doubt that some of the trials, some of the it's that we go through, the hardships that we go through, the can't are because of Satan. So that's the first thing. Why? The second is, what can I do about it? Do I just roll up and die? Do I just give up and, 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 and walk? No, you do something. And let me tell you one of the things that I've learned personally. It's allowed me, when, when, when it happens, to increase my faith. My faith is exponentially increased when I go through hard times. It, it's interesting to me. I, I love viewing people. I don't love people going through hard times. I don't love, but I love having conversations with people that after they go through a hard time, go, how did you do it? In first service, we have a, she's a good friend of mine. A couple years ago, there was a tragedy in her family. And, and she, she sits here during worship sometimes, just bawling her eyes out. But this morning, she was sitting right next to me. She had her hands raised while we were singing that song, I Trust in God. And I'm, I'm turning and I look at her, I'm like, how can you do it? And I, I got up here and started preaching and she's shaking her head at me. She goes, I do it because of my faith in God. It's increased my faith in God. When I go through troubles, and I'm gonna tell you this, when I go through troubles, it increases my faith in God. There's no doubt it changes everything. It changes my perspective because I know God's in charge. 
that he's going to exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or imagine, that he still loves me and he still cares about me. Here's something that I've learned. You may want to jot this down. When we realize how little we can do on our own and how, how much we depend on God, that's the moment right there where our faith starts to increase. When we realize that we can do very, you don't realize how much you need God until you need God. Psalms 46.1, he says, God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So he will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and the foam, let the mountains crumble. That's not good, y'all. He's not saying when, when rainbows are coming and unicorns are in your backyard, that's none of that. It's just the opposite. In verse six, he says, the nation is in chaos. Their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. This is the Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our, our God. Our, he's our fortress. Now, there's a word in here, refuge. And unless you understand the real word refuge, you will, will understand the interpretation. It's a word, and it's makshah, which is a Jewish word, and it means this, a shelter from danger. You ever been at the lake, driving around the lake, and a, a thunderstorm pops up? used to fish at these Wednesday night tournaments, and we had one, thunderstorms every Wednesday night. And in the middle of the tournament, we would have to go into somebody's slip and get underneath the cover. And I remember watching trees fall down. That's what it's saying right there. When trees are falling, when the lightning's hitting, when the hail's going down, you have a place of refuge. You know, here's what I've learned. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of... What I've learned is there's lots of people that say they're believers. I'm not questioning their belief, that they have a head knowledge of what faith looks like. They have a head knowledge. They sing the songs. Like we sing all those pretty songs. I trust in God. And we sing, I trust in God, my Savior. I mean, I was getting my best Kirk Franklin on this morning, y'all. I look like I had it going on over there. Till you hear me sing and then you go, now. Nah. We sing the songs about, it. we pray some eloquent prayers. Oh God, I trust you right now. And when we even quote scripture sometimes, we'll, we'll quote the, you know, I trust, whatever. But you know, as soon as the storm comes, a lot of our lives, that changes, doesn't it? All of a sudden, the song we're singing is nothing like that because we're caught off guard. And all of a sudden, that song, that scripture, that, that prayer, none of it means anything. We start spiraling out because we have a head knowledge of God, but not a heart knowledge. Every one of us, I'll say this, every one of us at times is swayed by our faith. Right? Our, our faith sways one way or another, right? It's okay. It's in those moments when, those moments we turn values into convictions. The story of doubting Thomas. I mean, could you imagine having that name the rest of your life? Oh, there's doubting Thomas. Oh, he's the one that doubted Jesus. Jesus was right there. He doubted it. But what did Jesus tell him? He said, put your hands in, in my, put your, put your fingers in my hands, put your finger in my side. And it was at that moment, he's like, I don't need to do that. But it turned his values into convictions. I'm not talking about that kind of faith. If faith like that's okay. There's times where I've had to ask God, show me. I need to see your presence. I need you to see, I need you to do something. I need to sense you. Like, I need you, God. I'm talking about, see, most of us don't activate our faith. We're living out somebody else's faith. Faith has got to be done in close proximity. Anybody play golf? A couple of you? So a couple months ago, I decided I wanted a new set of golf clubs. One of these set of Mizunos. And so I go to the golf store and they have this mat and they have a simulator. Anybody ever played on a simulator? Like you can play any golf course you want. I was playing Augusta National. I beat Tiger. Not even a problem. 
So I get up there and I'm hitting the ball because they, they fit you. Like there's not just standard operating procedure or standard. So I need a half inch long, one degree up. I have a, a two degrees strong, all this stuff. So I'm swinging and I have this beautiful, this ball flight is beautiful on, on the simulator. Simulator, it's just, whew, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't wait to play with you. I get out the first day with these clubs, right? And the first one I hit over there. And the second one I hit over here. And the third one I hit kind of straight, but to the left. Uh, it's a seven iron. I hit a seven iron about 170. And the first one I hit about 130. And the next one I hit about 180. I'm all over the place. I called the guy up and I said, there's something wrong with these golf clubs. And you know what he said? Golf is not an inside sport. It's an outside sport. You have all kinds of variables. You all have all kinds of turf interaction. You have storms. You have wind. You have, you have problems. You have different golf balls. And that's the same thing in life. Faith is not to be played sitting in a chair at, at church on Sunday morning. It's not what we're praying for. Faith is to be played day in and day out, and we have to be active in our faith. And by the way, not only that, we have to understand even the littlest amount of faith can take us a long way. Anybody ever been mountain climbing or rock climbing? I, I, big boys don't do that. But I've watched people do it, and I was watching this one, this one person one time mountain climbing, and I was asking the person, I said, how are they getting up there? There's no handles. I was being serious. There's no handles. How do they get up there? And they was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, don't they have handles? Like, I hate, like, like foot picking. No. And they say they look for the skinniest little, little, little small area where they can just stick their fingers in there. And then there's a little spot. Maybe, it, it, you know, it comes off an eighth of an inch and they put their foot there. And they look like spiders going up. And that's the same thing with our faith. Our faith is exactly the same way. Luke chapter 17, verse six, he replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and plant it in the sea and it will obey you. One of the things that struggles and trials and it does, it increases our faith. Even the biggest things, we've realized the littlest places that God does stuff could be the most substantial. Let me tell you a, a, a thing that, that, that it, storms and especially family stuff is, has driven us to finding people to do life with. Finding a group of people that you can do real life with. Maybe people that have gone through the same exact thing. Ecclesiastes says it like this, two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other one can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. It says, likewise, two people lie close to each other and they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? In verse 12, it says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated by two, but two can be, uh, stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So, some of life's greatest and most devastating things, you can't bear by yourself. That's why you need people around you to bear them with you. I'm, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. This Tuesday night, we have what's called group link. I think it starts at like 6.30 or so. And if you're not in a community group yet, I would encourage you to come and find that group of people to do life with. I know in our group, I told you last week, one of the groups that are at the top of mine, my fam, is my, my Appling uh, community group. And I love doing what, I just love doing life with them. We can talk about all kinds of situations going on in our lives. And one person, when one person's down, another person picks them up. And that's the kind of life we need to go through. Let me give you one more thing. and we'll kind of close it right here. How can I benefit from this? 
What's, how, how can I find something? How can I benefit from the it? Maybe that, that cancer, maybe that, even the divorce, or maybe that, that death. How can I benefit? Is there something I can do? And the first thing that I've realized, it, it has helped me develop a stronger inner strength than I've ever had in my life. I was, I was reading about missionaries over in Africa. We go to Haiti and the Dominican Republic. We've never seen this happen, but there's all these rivers and there's not a lot of bridge systems to get it from one side to the other. And so lots of the camps or the villages literally are nomads. And so they go from one little area, depending on what season it is and where their crops are growing. But there's these raging rivers and one missionary asked one of the locals, like, how do you get across this river? It's raging. We've watched people be swept away. And they have piles of rocks on either side. And it says, we grab a rock that's proportionate to our body size, just enough that we can carry. And then when we put it on our shoulder, we can walk across and it plants us deep into the bottom of the river, where, where the river, the raging river, can't, it can't wash us away. And I was thinking about in our lives, you know, some of the the biggest battles, the biggest struggles that we've had in 32 years with family and kids and all that kind of stuff. That's literally what it's been. That rock has been on our shoulder. And when we get on the other side of that river, it makes us better. We, re we realize how big our God is in some of these situations. We realize that we have called out to God and he's answered. Somebody say amen to that. And we trust God because we, we've watched him work before. We've watched him work in, in this situation and a lot of times what we do is the same thing that the nation of Israel did. We put those 12 stones down and go, you know something? Every time we go past this or this moment happens in our lives again, we go, I can remember what the Lord did. And so in our lives, it brings an inner, an inner strength. Genesis, I love the way Genesis chapter 50 says, you intended to harm me. This is Joseph saying, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. That burden that you're carrying, that it that you have right now, it may be, it may be God's way of drawing you back. It may be God's way of drawing your family together. If, if you just look at it different, what can you benefit from it? The second thing is this, it, it can help us grow. Anybody been to an amusement park ever? How many people ride roller coasters? The big ones? Not the one at Carowind that's got the cellophane wrap holding it together? <laughs> Nobody's riding that one, right? Years ago, I used to love it when the kids, I don't know what grade, maybe eighth grade, um, they would go on field trips. And one of the field trips was the Carowinds. And so my daughter, my, my wife's not a big roller coaster. She'll, she'll go on some of them, but she doesn't like the ones that spin and make you throw up and all that kind of stuff. She's not big into those, which I love those, like walking off and going. <sighs> so Courtney asked me to go on a Carowinds trip. Now she kind of baited me. I, I didn't know I was a chaperone. I thought I was just going to spend some time with my daughter. Then I found out when I got there, I had nine other little girls that I was hanging out with that I was responsible for. I can barely be responsible for myself, let alone now. But, and, and I learned something about that. I learned peer pressure because all the girls were like, Courtney didn't want to go on this run. I think it was called Borg. I don't know what they call it now, but she didn't want to go on it. She was scared and peer pressure, like everybody's making fun of her and like, you know, come on. And I'm like, hey baby, listen, it's okay. I'll tell them I, I'm scared. And because that's what good dads do. You know that? I'll tell them I, I'm scared and we can stay back. Goes, no, I'm going to go on. Okay. So we, 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 we're in the line and that line is bad. And I'm the one that's checking to see how many nuts and bolts are on the ground underneath the, all that. And I'm looking at the operators, making sure they have all their digits. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm that's me, right? So we get to right the, the spot and they put you that in a little cattle trough where you're going to you're the next one in, right? And you know, and so that thing opens up and it was like, like I could see Courtney's eyes. And so I, I, I get in there and this is the ride 
that you lay down on. So you're looking straight up for a minute. And so we're sitting in there and she's just bawling. Baby, we can get off right now. I promise there's no, no shame. We can get off. She goes, I'm going. Okay. So all of a sudden we start hearing. You know what I'm talking about? That's the sound of death. <laughs> that like, we're just, it's a, it's a, it's a clock till you're the time you die. Well, we hadn't watched the roller coaster. What happens is you get to the very top and it goes, and it spins you completely around the other way. So now you're not looking up, you're dangling like this. And all I, I look over and I, this is all I say. And she's not breathing. And I'm like, I'm dead when I get home. My wife is going to kill me. So we go through the whole ride. I'm looking, I'm checking. She's screaming, she's crying. I mean, all the other girls are screaming and crying. I'm like, I have like, I have, I have, I don't want them to tell their parents. And so like, you know, Pastor Bobby made me go on the ride. So we get off the ride and we're walking down the little chute and I'm paying attention to Courtney. And that's my, kind of my job. And she's got tears and boogers. And I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. And she turns around and she said, dad, can we do it again? <laughs> you know, that problem you're going through may be the very thing that you celebrate a year from now. That it, whatever that it is, may be the very thing that you thank God for. You may go, you know something, God, thanks for taking me through that. I wouldn't be the man or the woman I am without that circumstance right there. I wouldn't be the husband or a wife without that. Let me, let me give you one more thing and we're gonna close right here. These problems also, one of the benefits is it reminds me how I can trust in God. The other day I was on the golf course and we had a thunderstorm pop up and I've been carrying this thing called an umbrella on my golf bag for years. And um, I didn't know what it was for. Do y'all know, know what these are for? Like when I was a kid, they were for poking each other, right? You poked your, right, you know, if you're a golfer, you've probably pulled it out of the thing. You've probably swung the, like a golf club occasionally, but th there's something, there's a purpose in this thing. And it's when the rain starts, you put it up and it keeps the rain off you. Did y'all know that? Some of you did, huh? But you know what it didn't do? It didn't keep the storm from happening. The storm still happened. There was lightning and thunder, and, but I was dry. And in our lives, I pray that it doesn't happen, but I'm gonna tell you what, I've been on this earth long enough, storms happen, don't they? It happens in our family. And maybe we don't gather anything else today, but this, God's your covering. He's your refuge and he's your strength when it happens. I'm gonna give you a passive scripture that maybe just ponder through the course of the week. It's probably something you've read before and then we'll pray. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says this. Now, we now have this light shining in our heart, but ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing the great pressure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side. The troubles, but I am not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, 
but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again, don't we? Because of who God is under his covering. Let's pray. We are not destroyed. Even though the enemy's plan is to destroy us, seek us out to kill us. God, your love and your mercy protect us. And I don't know what people are going through in this room right here. I just know it's big. I know some people are dealing with the cancers and the divorces and affairs and problems. Maybe there's broken communication, whatever it is, God. I pray that we want to understand why it happens. We would figure out how to deal with it. But most of all, we would find the benefits in whatever that was. I pray that you would be with us, be with us this week as we just ponder your word, as we work on our families, as we come back next week to learn a little bit more about the fam. I pray that you would be honored and are honored in everything we say, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.